Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, folks, I'm so excited to have here with me my guest, Jody Amon. For any of you who've been um, following the podcast for a while, um, you've heard her before. She's been a guest um, in the past, and um, I just had to have her back because she is such a dynamic woman. She continues to evolve and expand, and she's up to some really amazing work these days around anxiety, particularly with the Gen Z um, population, so teens. And today we're really going to be digging in and exploring this topic of anxiety in general, but also very specifically around, you know, children and what that looks like. But it all translates um, when we're dealing with anxiety. And, and so I'm really looking forward to digging into that with her and just ex am really introducing you all. If you haven't heard her before, um, you're going to be really blown away. 
Um, she is such an inspirational speaker and counselor. She's been doing this for over 20 years, man, hanging in, no burnout, keep taking care of herself <laughs> so she can keep showing up. And um, currently, Jody is working with Generation Z, their parents and helpers to feel worthy, empowered, and in control. She has an amazing YouTube channel. Please go subscribe now, Practical Miracles. She helps audiences all over the world get clarity, push past fear, and evolve their consciousness. Um, and one of the things that I love about Jodi is that she's really been in this journey herself. She describes it as having clawed her, her way out of her own emotional turmoil. So she really gets it, y'all, and she knows what it's like to be stuck and, um, and what to do about it. And most exciting, she has a new book coming out called Anxiety, I Am So Done With You. <laughs> and I love that. And we're going to definitely talk more about this new endeavor of hers. You can also check out her TEDx Wilmington talk, Calm Anxious Kids. Check out her first best-selling book, You Won Anxiety Zero. And um, she's really just in, in the world, out there, changing the way we understand this current mental health crisis. So Jody, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. What an honor that introduction was. Thank you so much. Oh. <laughs> and I love that we're going to have some laughter and fun, too. That's we have to. My gosh. You know, yeah. anytime, but particularly right now with everything that's up in the world, we've got to find the light in the midst of all of this dark right. to keep right. ourselves. Release the tension with that laughter, man. Yes, so true. So, Jody, tell us a little bit more about you before we get into talking a little bit more about anxiety today. Um, maybe give the folks listening um, just a little more of a sense of who you are. Well, uh, you know, like we said, I, I have three kids. I didn't say that, I guess. I have three kids, so I raised three teenagers. I really, really get it. You know, I'm an anxiety survivor myself. I had a lot of chaos growing up and, and a lot of family problems. And so I went through my own emotional crisis. And then I began helping other people. I developed the six-step process to help people get over their anxiety to cure it completely. And I teach that in my book and my online programs. And now I wrote this book for teens because, you know, in the last 20 years, I've been working with, as a family therapist, I work with all ages. And so I've worked with young people, teenagers, adults, and I really see like this a pattern changing. Mm -hmm. And, our, you know, the anxiety and the depression are going up, up, up. And unfortunately, suicide is going up. And all of this is just so um, unnerving and upsetting, you know, as parents, as caregivers, as helpers or school people, like everybody's like, what do we do? Right. And, uh, and I think I know I have some answers because I've been doing this work for so long. And I'm like, let me get this out in a book for teens, for their parents, for their helpers. Um, I, it's written for teens, which I really, really love. Yes, uh, me too. I can read it at, at any age. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, um, this what you're seeing and witnessing out in the world, I'm so curious about with the work that you're doing. And because this tells us about what the future is going to look like, right? Like how people are handling 
mental illness, mental disorder, stress, anxiety, all of these pieces of the puzzle, what resources they have access to, what or not, right? And particularly, you know, when we think about the younger gener generation and all that they're facing, like, whoa, Jody, like, it's a lot. I was thinking, you know, I was watching um, Queer Eye the other day, and they had an episode with a, an a 19 year old who's out there she decided to take a gap year before going to college and she's working with a nonprofit and all around you know climate change and this is her day-to-day -day, right just out there beating the pavement advocating mm -hmm. you know and I'm like, mm -mm, that was like nowhere in my world at 18 19 I was like where's the party at <laughs> where's the dance at right <laughs> And so the level of kind of social consciousness, I'm so curious to hear you speak a little bit about that, like how much you think that is contributing or a part of. Um, yeah, I guess maybe that's where I'd love to start today is like, what are right. the factors that you see um, that are maybe different today compared to, you know, a generation prior um, that's maybe causing what we're seeing in this increase in anxiety, certainly in teens, everybody, you know, all of the above. What do you think yeah. about that? I think that I think that um, interest in conscious in consciousness and doing things like social justice is actually um, empowering, and it's actually the the, uh, the counter to anxiety. It actually puts anxiety down because mm -hmm. people feel like they can make a change for the future. The problem is when you see all the dis discourse, the discord, you see all the conflict going on and not and you feel helpless in it, that's when your anxiety will go up. You know, we see so much violence on our screens. We see so much arguing and conflict and people trying to get power over other people that it is, it does increase our anxiety. When we feel helpless to do anything or when we feel frozen in that, then our anxiety is going to go up. But kids who who uh, are part of a movement, they're doing okay. Those kids are, are doing okay and, and that because they feel like they could do something. Mm. And that signifies that yeah. they have hope or they have connection with their skills or they know that they matter and they might make a difference. Yeah. And I think the problem, the reason why anxiety is going up, up, up is because a lot of, a great majority of the kids feel like they don't, they can't handle anything or they're really, they can't do anything to make any change. You know, they feel really, and it's from the discourses in our culture, from commercialism, but they feel like they're passive recipients of life. And they're either just lucky or not lucky, right? They're wow. missing their connection with what they could do to make a change in their life. And, and I think that is, I think the biggest factor in that is commercialism. So their screens, they're on their screens all the time. So they have access mm -hmm. to commercials all the time. And these companies are like, you get this because it's really good and you deserve it. So it's like, they want instant gratification. They're losing the work ethic. They don't really see cause and effect that you have to do something to get something. It's like, you just get this, but then they don't just get it and they don't understand why. And the only conclusion they can make is that they're not worthy. Oh, wow. So while they're feeling really entitled, they're also feeling really inadequate, which is a bit of a paradox, Whoa. you know, and everyone's blaming them for being so entitled, but they're like, I don't feel entitled at all. I feel worthless. And so there's a, you know, a kind of a disconnect going on. And what we really need is to show young people that they have skills. They're highly adaptable. You know, they, they are able to do anything that they put their mind to. And that's when we're going to see a shift and a decrease of anxiety and depression. Yeah. Woo, I got to sit with that for a second, Jody. You just said a hell of a lot. <laughs> like, I know. That was 
wow, like you just shifted like that for me. And then you shifted that for me. And I was like, okay, wait, I got to bring all this together. Because yeah. Right. Like I hold this frame that needing to have, like there being so many problems and having to be invested in those problems is at the root. But I love what you just said there. You just flipped it totally on its head and said, no, actually, when you feel like you have resource and you have capacity and you have a say and you're engaged and you're involved and you're participating, it generates a sense of I can make a difference. I can make a change. Um, right. And your personal agency. Yes, beautiful personal agency. Whereas the source of anxiety is when we feel that despair. We feel we're out of control. We don't have any influence. We feel we're at the mercy of circumstances or situations and a sense of helplessness. So for right. everybody we're listening. We're separated. We don't belong. We, we're, we're, we're not as lucky as other people. Okay, like you yeah. Feel different, you feel like you're not able to and you don't like yourself right. very much. When you don't like yourself very much, you don't think you can handle anything. Like you don't trust yes. yourself. Yeah. When you don't trust yourself, you can't handle anything. And then, you know, kind of put on top of that if you've had trauma. And most people have had some kind of trauma. Yeah. Big trauma, little trauma. Most people have had some chaos in their life that they're processing. And and even if it's not in this life, you know, we know with epigenetics that we're holding on to 14 generations of trauma before us. Right. And so, you know, I really, I really want this book to heal some of that on all these levels mm-hmm. because, because these, these kids are going to create our next generation. Yes. So tell and, me about that moment when you said, this is an issue and I have something to say about it. Like, when did you know, like, yep, this is going to be a book and it's time and I've got to put all this together into a format that can then reach people? Well, they, you know, that, that my theory on um, commercialism, I haven't heard that anywhere else. I passed this along. I think this is really, really important. It's something that I just can't, it just, I understood by talking to my clients, mm-hmm. you know, over and over, you know, um, you know, as parents in the grocery store, when our kids are little and they want something and we say no, and they freak out, I started to notice that this is like about their sense of worth, mm-hmm. right? When they, when they, and they're young at that point, you know, as they get older, though. But then I started to realize that people just want something just because it, 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 they think it's going to fill something or a sense of worth. But then it's like, it's like worthless and it's in the closet. Like it loses its worth after the purchase. So if you get something for no reason, like you didn't have to work for it and you get it, then it's discarded. It only had meaning as far as it meant it, you're worthy because you get it. And then, you know, a lot of these toys, you know, when my kids are growing up, a lot of these toys, like, they really don't do a lot. There's just kind of a lot, there's a lot of junk out there that are just like impulse buy things that, that there's nothing to really, they don't really entertain a kid for that long. Right. You know, yeah. and so the only, so I started to really notice that, that, that they lose their worth afterwards. And it's about the kid being worthy. And I just started to observe this over time and see how, um, and a lot of research into, you know, marketing and how they're trying to sell products. And I realized that this is what's going on, that kids are losing cause and effect. That's what the basis of my TEDx talk was. So I did write about commercialism in my first book. And some people are like, oh my gosh, that's right. And some people just skim right over it. But now I'm like, I have to get this out there. Got and it. I wanted yeah. it in my TEDx Wilmington talk because it's really major information that um, that can really help parents. Because parents, you know what they do? They blame themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Kids blame themselves. Parents blame themselves. I know. <laughs> but if we understood that this, we're being yeah. affected by this, and, and I'm not going to evilize like you know corporations or companies. I'm my own business, and so I'm a business too. But so I'm not going to evilize any of that stuff. But if we saw that what was happening, we wouldn't let it affect us. Right. It's because we don't. We're not really aware of it. It affects us on the unconscious. And then we don't know how to make meaning on it, around it. Mm. If we knew how to make meaning around it, we could be like, oh, okay, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not available for that. And it would change our mentality. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not available for that right now. Yeah. Please call again. Yeah. yeah. No. So what I'm hearing, what you're saying is that you're noticing that these, the, the way that things are marketed, particularly to, to children. And then in the bigger scope of that, of course, it is the parents and all, all of us. us. We're all, yeah. we're all, we're all affected by this. And this, and what I'm hearing in that is that we really fall, we've fallen into this trap of thinking that our worth and our value is something that is external, that right. gets built up or received through the external. So when we buy something or we achieve something. It feels good for a moment, though. It feels good for a second. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's that's not like why it we buy work. stuff, retail therapy. That little boost. Yeah. But then it dissipates. And then what people are left with, I'm hearing you say, is that collapsing of self. Like, oh, no, now I feel all that feelings of like, no, I'm not good. No, I'm not worthy. And so I've got to go scramble and find the next thing. Right. It's not sustainable. But sometimes they don't get it because you can't, you don't, you can't afford it. And then it's like, but why didn't I, why couldn't, why am I not worthy of it? Oh, yeah. It affects so so we you know these this, these uh, messages all the time are making us feel worthless and powerless and out of control. That's just one aspect, right? That yeah. commercialism is one aspect. I mean, there's the comparison culture, you mm-hmm. know, with the with the increase of social media from a younger younger age with Generation Z. There there we all compare ourselves to other people. It's a problem for all of us, but it's like multiplied. Because they've had a device in their hands since seventh grade or ninth grade I know. that they're constantly comparing themselves to somebody's highlight reel. You know, yeah. like you, you compare your backstage mess, all the messiness of your life to someone's highlight reel that they post on yeah. social media. That's right. And it, you know, and you're always going to feel inadequate. That's another thing. And we also mentioned violence, seeing violence and see, seeing okay. discord, uh, seeing arguments, like adults promoting it. Mm-hmm. And when you know that it's a, uh, it feels scary. You know, when we were in, um, like, when our flight, our fear response developed, we were in situations where we could do something. Now we see things happening; they feel really random and out of control. Again, all three of these things are we're losing our sense of cause and effect. Yeah, we're losing, which means we're losing our personal agency, our sense of our personal agency. We have it. Mm-hmm. We have the skills. I mean, our brains were developed for 2 million years to be highly adaptable. These kids have so many more skills than they think. They could definitely handle so much more than they think. Mm. It's just that they think they can't. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we need to tell them that they, they can, and um, that's going to make all of the difference, I think. Oh, I love that. Yeah, really finding that place to empower them and give them the resources that they need because they are facing things that, you know, that are new, in at least the awareness and the level of awareness and how much they come across and how much they're exposed to. And so if you open this floodgate of information and images and experience without backing that up 
with like resourcing and capacity and skills and how do you process that feeling and what do you do in those, then, you know, it really is. It's like drowning is my the image that's coming to my mind. Like the kids are. Yeah. It's like we're, we're kind of inundated with this toxic stress. Yeah. You know, relationships, yeah. other people are unstable. So if other people are anxious and they're trying to get power over you, so there's toxic relationships. That's where our abusive yeah. relationships come from. You know, there's, there's just, we're inundated by all this content all the time. And a lot of it's disturbing or upsetting or um, make you feel bad. I mean, you, you could keep going with the negativity that we're up against. So the subtitle of the book is A Teen's Guide to Ditching Toxic Stress and hardwiring their brain for happiness. Nice. And, and I think that's like, that is the crux of what's going on right now. We have Woo! to know how to release yeah. because it's coming in at us all the time. Yeah. And so it should be a daily practice, you know, to do that. And then also these daily practices, like that daily self-care, that daily centering. You said that in the introduction about me. You know, I've been doing this for 23 years. I must like have really done some daily practices to keep myself centered mm -hmm. and not burn out. And that is true. You know, I've been practicing mindfulness for 20 years. I've been doing my, you know, I've been doing spiritual work for, for a really long time because I need to stay centered. I can't tell other people to do this if I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so that's really helped me see things from a big picture view. Um, and so I'm sharing all of this knowledge and it, you know, you see, you see the titles like anxiety. I'm so done with you. It doesn't seem like a deeply spiritual book and, and kids could read it and it doesn't maybe feel like that, but there's a lot in there that could really open their heart to their own higher power and their own higher wisdom. And actually I vibrated the book. So the whole time I was writing it, I was putting offerings out to really vibrate the book at that energy to heal that DNA and that, um, you know, trauma in our life to help them really be able to shift that thinking to, to open their mind for this new information to come in about their, their potential, their amazingness. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited. There's been some press that got the book a little ahead and they feel that energy coming out of it. So even if a kid starts it, maybe they'll get a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you know, they'll get some of that energy. A little in piece of what they need. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. maybe it'll encourage them to keep reading, you know. I mean, yeah, I right. For like, I can put it down. I read the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, so hopefully it's, it's short enough. And, you know, I wrote it for teens. So it's like blog posts. You know, right. like short and yeah. sweet, easy to kind of digest these little sections of the book. And um, so I really hope that I haven't had a teen read the full thing. They haven't, it's not out yet. The time we're recording this, you and I, um, it's not out yet. So I'm a little scared to have some teens read it. But oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm I already have like five that I'm of teens that I'm like, okay, I got to send it to that one, that one, that one. You know, because in my world, while I don't have my own children, um, I have surrogate babies, yeah. um, kids who I have mentored from the time they were very little. The kids that I nannied are now, you know, um, 16 and 21, 22. Um, and so they're always on my mind when I'm thinking about what, um, you know, kids in, in this generation are really facing and, and navigating. And of course, the 16 year old I'm I talk with her often and you know trying to think about what's going on in, in her life and supporting and mentoring and guiding her so I'll be getting this book and I'll read it and I'll try to get her to you read don't it don't have to have anxiety to read it like it'll exactly. empower anyone yeah we feel these resistances we feel these blocks and this negativity 
even if we don't call it anxiety, we're right. feeling it. Right. It, but everyone calls it something else, and so how do you title a book? Right. And you, have to find it, you have to go somewhere. Exactly. Um, and yeah. anxiety is a good search word. So. Well, Jody, I don't think you have a thing to worry about. I, you are such a dynamic, intelligent, gifted teacher, educator, leader, and I know so many people are going to be blessed by this book, and I can't wait to hear more about uh, when it comes out um, and the feedback that you start to get. When we come back, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the correlation between anxiety and trauma. Like, why is this even a thing? Okay, we'll be right back. Are you fed up with feeling like a doormat? Are you so busy rescuing everybody else that you can't take care of yourself? One of the greatest impacts of abuse is we develop an inability to speak up for ourselves ask for what we need, or honestly communicate what we think or feel. We feel compelled to conceal, to hide our feelings, thoughts, and ultimately ourselves. So how in the world are we going to be able to set boundaries? Boy, have I been there. And I cannot wait to share with you what helped me put an end to running away from communicating so I could finally set boundaries in my life that were needed in order to feel safe, free up my time and energy, and finally break free of taking care of everyone else but me. By downloading my masterclass, How to Set Boundaries and Communicate with Ease, you are going to learn some kick-ass strategies that will empower you to speak up. You're going to explore in a safe, step-by-step -step way the impact that not setting boundaries has had on your life and relationships, and you're going to learn some easy, practical strategies to put an end to taking care of everyone else. Go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash communications dash class today. Now back to our show. Awesome, Jody. So what I would love to dig into is this correlation between anxiety and trauma. Like, why is this even a thing? Why do we feel anxiety in the context of having experienced trauma or when we are experiencing trauma? Could you break that down for us a little bit? Sure. Um, I could go deep into it or shallow. You want me to go deep? Yeah, let's go deep. We okay. like deep here. <laughs> so yeah. when, we, um, when you are experiencing trauma, your body releases the stress hormones, and the stress hormones uh, increase the amygdala. The amygdala is what triggers the fear response, which triggers the adrenaline in our body, and it holds emotional memory. It holds emotional memory because it's faster than cognitive memory. By the time you have a thought, it's like too late. It needs to be, it needs to be triggered by emotion so your body is ready to fight or flight if it was in any danger at all. So when you are in trauma, your adrenaline is released and it lays down more memory in your amygdala. So it's kind of setting those triggers to know if this ever happens again, we're going to be ready earlier even, I mean, a nanosecond and now a half a nanosecond earlier, but the, the increase of adrenaline is laying down more emotional memory right there for you. So, and then the cortisol that's also, so there's two hormones of stress hormones. Adrenaline is kind of that acute one, cortisol is a little bit more of a general, but the cortisol decreases the hippocampus and the hippocampus is what lays down like the storied memory like to store something to help you kind of understand it or like figure it out and like 
So the cortisol decreases the hippocampus. So you're increasing this emotional memory being laid down and you're decreasing your ability to story this in a storied memory where you could, where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So later on in life, these triggers will, will contribute, will, will trigger more often because of the history of trauma. And then you have to do the hard work yourself of pulling that out of the amygdala memory and putting it into like the prefrontal cortex memory, like a storied memory where we could, where we're healing our trauma. So that's why um, that's the connection is so big because anything in any kind of relation at all that will trigger that emotional memory and it's going to lay down all of your senses in that moment. It's going to lay down all of the experiences in that moment. So there's tons of triggers. Right. Um, is going to is going to set off anxiety even if even if you're safe. In, in situations, actually, most of the time, in the, in the yeah. future, you're triggered, even though you're safe. Yeah, that's right. So that's why it happens before the healing's done, and that um, that that memory is storied. Then, um, then the anxiety is um, big, huge for people who experience trauma. Mm, mm. Thank you for breaking that down. I love that. And bringing in the piece around the hormones, really understanding that, that cortisol connection. Um, I read so much, like, you know, neuroscience is my baby. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm constantly learning like, okay, got that next little piece of the puzzle here and understanding that it's the cortisol that's at work on the hippocampus. So I've always known that the hippocampus being diminished, but I've not yet come across that direct correlation between the cortisol and the hippocampus. Thank you for that today. It's like, we don't need you right now. We're we have yeah, to trying to survive. We don't yeah, need we're to not be thinking about it. Yeah, we don't like, need you, to, you know, yeah. We're not going to file this away. Like we're yeah. driving, like turn I sometimes off. describe the hippocampus as like the note taker of the brain. And yeah. like when we're in trauma where he's like, right. I want to look at it. Yeah, exactly. So for everybody listening, you know, I hope this is helping you to just contextualize like what you're experiencing and why you're experiencing. So we have the impact of trauma on the very real like chemical makeup of our brain and and, um, biological structural um, makeup of our brain. And then we have the um, stories and belief systems that will sit alongside that of I'm not worthy and I'm helpless and there isn't anything I can do and I can't handle that. And so then that exacerbates it all. So one of the things that we talked about exploring um, when we were preparing for this conversation was to explore how to think about the anxiety that you feel. And I, I love that just as a framework. So let's dig into that a little bit. What do you mean by that, to think about what you're feeling? Can you say more? Yeah, you know, anxiety has so much mystery around it. And that the mystery really holds, gives it a lot of power because it feels so out of control when it's mysterious. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know why it comes. We don't know where it's from, you know, all that kind of stuff. That gives anxiety power. And so if you understood anxiety, like understood it biologically, understood where it came from, why it's there, what it's doing, it takes the mystery out of it. So that's how you think about it, like how you see it, like why it's there, where it came out. And, you know, you could see in the titles of both my books, like one book titled You One Anxiety Zero, and the other book titled Anxiety, I'm So Done With You. What do they both have in common? Anxiety is personified. Mm. You know, we're externalizing anxiety because so much 
people bring it as think of it as part of their own identity yeah. so much as like i am anxious like it's like they are anxiety and in the lies that anxiety tells them they feel like that's rational that's me or that's true seems true and in the real lies that anxiety is saying if you could separate that out and know what's anxiety voice and what's your wise voice it makes all of the difference mm. really knowing what to believe and what not to believe and that's why in all my teachings on uh, anxiety and how to think about anxiety i really am and so i expose anxiety's lies so explicitly that people could understand them so much and not believe them anymore right when they see them because because when anxiety is doing that in your head and lying to you it sounds right. it feels so real yeah so real. can you share with us a couple of those you don't have to give us the whole kit and caboodle but like maybe just a few of like what are some of the lies that anxiety tells us well it's like it tells us that um you can't you can't handle it you can't make a decision you know um it tells you that um it, i'm protecting you mm. there's a few for you yeah, I, I, I in one of my book in, in my programs in my book i outline 15. in the yeah. new book i have about seven because i combine a little bit of them for teens i try to shorten it all right but, um yeah but those are the major Thank ones that tells everybody like you can't handle that right so jody would you um would it be your advice that for somebody who feels anxiety to change the way they language that for themselves so instead of saying like i have an anxiety disorder or i am anxious what would be the new kind of languaging or phrasing that you would invite them into exploring that would help them with that segmenting and separating and holding anxiety as something personified and outside of them and not their identity i really really you could put like a thought in front of it like um, the anxiety is really bad today, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so just it just externalizes it just with the word thought and it does something to your brain when you think about it that way, because then you could change your relationship with it. You know, the, oh, the that bitty word, <laughs> right. It's like the anxiety is really bad today or what right. is the anxiety telling me right now? Um, amazing. So that kind of what, what is the, what is, what's the anxiety voice saying? What's anxiety's chatter right now? You know, um, when when you personify it like that, it's so easy, but it does change the brain because one feels like it's definable, like it's set, like there's no, it's, um, it's, there's, there's no, you're limited, you can't change anything. And the other way of talking, you could totally change that relationship. And so it opens the mind up to seeing that there's possibilities. And I think even that language, so therapy's happening when they read the title. Mm, yeah, I like that. <laughs> You're so smart. See, I told you. You're so smart. You got this. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, good news, right, folks? You know, you can do thousands of hours of therapy, or you can just start using the word the now. <laughs> yeah. But it actually, this is one of the things that I so appreciate about the work that you do, um, is that you take these things that feel really, really big and really heavy, and it's going to take me the rest of my life, and you create such, you know, simple streamlined solutions that anybody can apply at any minute. You don't have to do any kind of meditation or, you know, any of this stuff to just start saying the anxiety yeah. as opposed to I am. You know, yeah. I, I think that's why people like me a lot is because I'm a real practical teacher. Yeah. And I really these practical steps that's like, you know, a lot of people are like, just let go or, but, you know, you got to know how to do that. <laughs> Have compassion. How do you have compassion? Yeah. So, you know, I really teach those things on a practical level 
because, and they're easy. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I'm teaching, people are like, I don't know how to have compassion for myself. Right. Isn't that right. Bad? They should teach it in middle school because they really easy. should. You know, I know. Is, is if I could like re- redo all of the the curriculum that we have in our education, I want to like, get this in high school. Like that's yeah. my goal. Yes. But the yeah. um, but this is how you have compassion for yourself. No matter what you feel, you say, "Oh, I understand why I feel that way." Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's just everything because right, everything we feel, we start to judge it immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I feel? We do. Am I reacting? What's wrong with me? Like, you know all this kind of stuff. And if right away, whatever we felt, we were like, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. You immediately yeah. stop judging. When you judge yourself, you attach to it. It, it multiplies, it becomes it grows. more intense. Yeah. And so, and that's what we do, you know, and, and I know that's what, you know, if you experience trauma, especially, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in, um, and so, yeah, so it's a huge problem, but if we had c- compassion, we would minimize the intensity of our emotions. Very much so. Yeah, you know, I, I think I see this so much in the work that I do with my clients around healing sexual trauma is that feelings have not been a safe place to go or to be. Like many people grow up in environments where feelings are not allowed, only certain types of feelings are allowed. And so the relationship to anything that comes through that, any energy of feeling that comes through is just danger. And so my little version of that is really just naming and validating. Like I am feeling angry and it's okay that I'm feeling angry. And I love this added piece that you're offering. Like, hey, it's okay. I get why I'm feeling that way. It makes sense. You know, it makes sense. We yeah. It doesn't even, like, that's what our judgments are doing. We're saying that yeah. it doesn't make sense. This isn't okay. It's bad. But if yeah. our best friend felt that way, we totally understand. I know. We, like, just wrap them up in love and, like, kiss and hug. But, yeah, that's right. So we've got to bring that. feel something and, it, in, in, and then the amygdala goes off because there's been some trauma around mm-hmm. feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just that spiral effect, right? And you're like, why am I feeling this way? You know, I I don't understand why am I feeling this way? Mm. It's distracting, right? Because now you have to understand why you're feeling that way instead of healing the feeling. Yeah. Right? We go into the story of why we're feeling that way and it's a complete distraction. It is. Did you all hear that? Please say that again. (laughs) Well, when we feel something and then we're like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? Why am I going... You know, it's a complete distraction. Like, so now we have to solve why we feel that way. And it takes all of our energy to do that instead of healing the feeling itself. Yeah. And I think you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this, but I think a lot of times because of the way the brain is, we have billions and billions and billions of neurons, right? And pathways. And so associations are complex. And what creates and generates an emotion like the stimulus, the external stimulus that can set off an emotional response that then leads into feeling it can be such a myriad of things. And so in many ways, we're not even right about why we feel the way we feel a lot of the time. We're guessing. Yeah. And so you could do that ad nauseum and never even really get to the truth of the matter. And then you doubt. And so, you know, this this is what we're doing when we do that is it feels chaotic to feel. And Mm. we don't want that chaos. And so we have to figure out why we're feeling the way we're feeling. And then we guess, and then we have doubt about that. So it creates chaos again. And then we have to figure that out again. You know, we refigure it out. Like we're asking ourselves the same question. Why, why, why? And we solve it. And then it, it just doesn't add up or it just, we doubt it anyway, no matter what. And so we're just 
we want order and we keep creating more chaos. And Beautiful. so, you know, but, but the compassion. So we can bypass that. Compassion creates order. That. Yeah. Because Ooh, it's like. Oh, that is quotable. Compassion creates order. It does. It creates order yes. and, and a sense of control. And so we could, and so that's actually the, that's actually the solution, not questioning why you feel that way. Because it really, that's a, that's a silly question because it makes total sense why you yeah. feel that way. <laughs> oh, Even now, like, we get so in our head that we doubt something, you're like, why yeah. am I doubting myself? Yeah. Like, it's not rocket science. Everyone doubts themselves. And so you could be like, oh, I understand why I'm doubting myself. I'm human. Yeah. Like, it's as simple said. as that. Enough you said. So much attention. And it's not a purpose. Like, I, I'm not blaming anybody. It's so heartbreaking to see people, like, suffering so much. Yeah. When they're when they're really trying, like you know, you know, uh, just the best people in the world, mm-hmm. but they're so hurting and doubt is so strong in their life, and so you know, you could you could really replace anxiety. I'm so done with you by any of these problems, like negative thinking, self doubt, um, you know, depression, shame. Mm-hmm. shame, right? You, mm-hmm. you could replace anxiety. I'm so done with you because we're talking about toxic stress, right? Right. Yeah, and I want to just, that actually, you just reminded me, I want to just, for people listening who may not know, what's the difference between stress and toxic stress? Can you give us just a little quick mini infomercial on that? Well, I I never really liked like a dichotomy like that. Like what's normal stress and and what's toxic stress? Not necessarily normal stress, but yeah, maybe we can not even compare it, but just what's your, what's your idea of toxic stress? It's toxic on us, right? I mean, by definition, all stress is toxic on us. That doesn't mean we need to avoid it completely or there's something wrong with you for allowing it in your life. We live in this world and we're going to experience stress and all stress as toxins on our body like ages mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all stress emotional physical mental stress spiritual stress is toxic on our bodies and toxic's kind of an intense word so maybe that feels too intense but really it just means that it ages you right yeah. right but it hurts you um and so uh it doesn't so it doesn't mean it kills you toxic just means it hurts you it harms mm-hmm. you so all stress is toxic stress. That doesn't mean you need to avoid it. That means that we are living in this world and we're going to be taking in content and experiences that is going to feel stressful. So we need to have a daily way of, um, of knowing how to process it through. You know, like it. Yeah. start with allowing yourself to be like, oh, I understand why I feel this way. Because yeah. that acknowledgement is going to allow you to feel it and then it's going to pass. When we say, why do I feel this way? We attach to it. It's going to keep that feeling with us. Mm-hmm. We're going to feel more out of control. Exacerbates it. You know, and so, um, so we need these practices. And, you know, self-compassion is a huge practice to being able to, um, you know, keep ourselves stable. And it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how we would sustain our happiness is by practicing these things all the time. Every yeah. time something comes up, we have compassion. I get over things mm. so fast because I've been practicing this for 20 years. Right. Yeah, you have a, a good system. Things come in, things go out. Things come in, things go out. And yeah. I think that's you know, something. I'm so active that a lot comes in. 
you know, and right. some people like feel like, oh, they're on the most common denominator. They just have a lot of problems in life. Mm. You know, they just are up against a lot. And, and yeah. some of that might be how they see things. Some of that might be some choices that they're making. Right. Some of it might just be, I mean, this is the world we're living in. Like there's hard stuff and it might have nothing to do with you, but you, um, you have a hundred percent of control about how you respond to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but we're so busy yeah. to be like, why did I allow this to happen? Yeah, we and so that disempowers us and takes us out of the place of active choice or taking care of ourselves. You're not trusting and, ourselves at not all. Not trusting ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Joni, I could talk to you for like another two hours on this topic. Um, and there's just so much, and there are so many more questions and um, many things that I'd love to to explore with you. But as we start to wrap up, I wonder if you might just offer any, you know, final words of encouragement, um, you know, what you want people to know who are dealing with the anxiety (laughs) and, um, you know, just anything you want to offer them before we go today. Listen, you have so much more potential than you think if you're dealing with anything that that stops you in your life or live, from living fully, get these books or come hang out with me. I have hundreds of videos on YouTube. I have lots of resources and core personal development courses on my website. And so I'd love to help you get better. There's just no reason to stay like this because you definitely can feel better. I've been working with people with trauma for 23 years and you can get better. It gets better than this, I promise. Mm, Jody, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your beauty, your grace, your awesomeness, your straightforwardness, your practicality. I just appreciate all those things so much for you and your courage because to continue to lean into this work and stick with it and take things to like you're, you know, you're trying, you're exploring something new. I think that's one thing I really appreciate and admire about you as well. Like you're continuing to see like what's next and expand. And um, that's just such an inspiration to me. And it's an honor to have you here with me. So appreciate you. For everybody, yeah, (laughs) thank you. For everybody listening, please go to Jodi Amen, J-O-D-I-A-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, um, dot com. And check out all the great resources that Jodi has at her website. Um, The links will all be in the the notes as well. You can connect with her on Instagram at Jodi Amen Love. She's on YouTube, as we've mentioned. Go and Google that. And her book will be available for purchase on Amazon. And so the link also for the book will be in the show notes. So please be sure to go and pick up that book, gift it, share it, um, spread the word about it. And I want to just offer thanks and gratitude for everybody listening and joining us today. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be a part of this conversation. And don't forget to pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com as well and check out the resources that are available, learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching, and um, subscribe to our podcast and come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.